Friends Podcast, and this is your host, Anthony, and I'm joined by my lovely and sexy host, Ryan. Ryan, how was your week? It was good. It was good. I'm watching uh, a new show called Burnt. I mean, it's a movie. It's about a basically a chef who worked in a very fancy restaurant and burnt out. Uh, so now he has to kind of, uh, fix himself up and try to come back and start a new restaurant and, uh, get that third Michelin star. Oh, I think I heard about it. So the kid from, uh, uh, that no, show you're thinking, where you're thinking about the bear. You're thinking about the bear from the Shameless. Bear? Oh, yeah, yeah. This is exactly yeah. the same plot except a movie. Oh, okay. All right. The yeah. exact same plot. It's really funny how in Hollywood. It's, it is the same plot. They sometimes come out with the exact same plot for different shows even from like different studios and uh companies like at the exact i have a theory time. about that i have a theory about that my theory is that the marketing trends are show well this came out like 10 years ago i mean but mm-hmm. but generally speaking sometimes you do see like two different uh studios releasing almost exactly the same movie except for different deviations. i mean there was a bug's life and ants that came out yeah. right at the same time yeah, yeah. There's, there's so many, so many, even more recent ones. I think I think it's either that the marketing trends were showing that that's popular, or one studio hears that the other studio is making it, and they're like, oh, shit, maybe maybe they're onto something, and they try to you know have a friendly jest, a friendly competition against executives to see who makes more money at the box office. But, hmm. you know, this whole idea that, oh, I'm a sh- I, I have a lot of friends who are cooks in real life, who work behind, you know, the restaurants who do the cooking. I mean, I've, not, I've only heard negative things about that too. Anytime yeah. I wanted to become a chef when I was younger, every chef I spoke to, they're like, don't do it. Please, God, don't do it. Just cook at home and just enjoy yeah, it. Don't it's, become well, a chef. It's because there's a lot of drug abuse that happens in the back of the oh, I you know. Know, restaurant. Lots of cocaine. Um, oh, I know. I used to work in the back of a restaurant. Oh, really? What did you do? Um... So I used to be a bartender. I used to be a server. I used to do like work the rail or whatever it's called. I did everything besides cook. Um, Is he I actually did have wash to dishes get a degree once. Okay. What the degree in what? But you really? know, it's this. Whole, yeah, it's you know, it's. I think Andrew. Uh, sorry, Andrew Bourdain kind of popularized this idea of I'm a I'm a struggling chef that has really bad drug addictions, and oh my god, that makes my cooking so much better. Let's imagine this, Ryan. You're doing some weightlifting, you're working out, and you look behind you, and you see a girl plant down a tripod filming. She's pointing at you, and she's saying, creep. You look at her, you start sweating, and now you're on social media being ousted to millions of people. You get fired from your job, people harassing you and your family. Should you... Go to prison for having yes, looked at yes, it. Yes, abs- absolutely. You know, I do think that the Wahhabis were all into something when it comes to looking at women in public that are not covered. I think it's straight to jail. Yes, uh, women should, That's the solution to this problem. Women just need to cover up everything. Yes, they just need yes. to do full burkas. Now, now, what it, what you're referring to, of course, is this whole uh, scandal about proper gym etiquette that's been going on in social media. It seems to have yeah. everybody talking about like, uh, you know, is it, yeah, but, is but, it allowable to head yeah, on just, a girl in a gym? That's the question. Yeah, so, yeah, and just to summarize, like this video went viral. is just a, 
a TikToker. She's now come out and apologized and said she, you know, shouldn't have ousted this guy. Um, but basically what happens is this girl is doing um, hip thrusts, weighted hip thrusts, and this guy looks at her a couple times, and then he goes over yeah. and, like, picks up the weight for her. And he, she, you know, basically, you know, accused him of uh, being, you know, a, being, being a predator. Being a creep. Yeah. yeah, being a creep, yeah. being a predator. Uh, and she even makes a weird statement that she looks underage, so like almost like implying that he's a pedophile for her even helping her. <laughs> and um, uh, the weird thing yeah. about this is like, so there is that uh, idea oh, of like, like I, I think, women. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Go. No, I mean, sorry, I didn't mean to cut in, but I, I think first of all, it's important to state that this is a common video that's seen on the internet. It wasn't. It's a trend. Specific. Yeah. It's a trend. It's like, oh, I'm really good looking. I'm working out, or I'm in some way, pu- I'm in somewhere public, and look, I'm so good looking because of somebody acting creepy, you know. Which of course, so that's like kind of a, it's like a content um, idea that people do do. It's been going on way before this uh, uh, influencer decided to do it. Hmm. Okay. And um, like, what's weird is a. Uh... Like the, the her concern is reasonable and normal. There are some videos of like dudes actually being pretty <laughs> creepy. Like there's this video of some girls doing, uh, some woman's doing like leg races or whatever, and this guy awkwardly comes up and he's like, "Hey, uh, I'm married, but you know," I, and, and long story short, he's essentially saying like, "You know, I would cheat on my wife. You know, do you want to fuck?" Basically, and it's like, "All right." So the gym etiquette is that typically you probably shouldn't approach women in the gym. But the thing is, is sometimes it still does happen. So like generally, I would say I don't approach women in the gym when I'm working out. I have before when I was in high school. I, you know, I was 17 and I went up to some a girl in, in the gym uh, and started talking to her. But typically you probably shouldn't. And I know that I've heard other women complain about, like, guys being creeps in the gym. And guys can be very creepy. So that's certainly uh, I would, I would, I, I wouldn't go as far as you did. I wouldn't say you shouldn't approach a woman in the gym. I would Obviously. say generally a rule of thumb is that most people are just trying to do their workout and leave. So you typically should be... You shouldn't treat it like a bar, maybe, is better. Like, you should certainly approach women less often in the gym than maybe a bar and that's like the weakest thing i could probably say i i would say that you shouldn't be creepy in the gym you know and you have to know you have to be emotionally intelligent if 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 enough people call you a creep you probably shouldn't be approaching people at the gym okay if that's like a problem in your past then maybe you're not the person that should be there's a problem a problem with your approach but i'm not yes in in my situation it was fine like i ended up becoming friends with the girl and it was all nice and there was no issue but you know, there yeah, is a lot of women who do do complain about being creeped on by other men in the gym. Yeah, you shouldn't be creeping on people at the gym. Okay, but that's a separate issue. The separate between that and saying, should you approach somebody at the gym? Well, should you approach somebody at the grocery store? Should you approach somebody at the bookstore? Should you approach somebody at the coffee place? You know, I mean, you're only going to fucking be able to date somebody if you approach somebody. You know, I, I'm not this big I, fan that everything has to be done through social, through some dating app. Otherwise, you know, anything else you do is not kosher, you know. 
But I do think that you need to be emotionally intelligent and sometimes you're going to fuck up and don't be a creep. Don't stare, you know, like a weirdo at somebody. And sometimes you need to use your own emotional intelligence about when to approach somebody. So I, I feel like people are a little bit too strict. On the, I feel like people like want to control approach a little bit too strictly. Well, so that's the thing is in this case with the viral video, you know, the girl probably should not probably she should not have ousted this guy to the entire fucking world when what he did was really borderline, you know, it really did not deserve to be ousted. You know, the worst his crime was, was just picking up her weight and wanting to like talk to her, but he didn't you know, harass yeah, but, you know, maybe, but maybe before that, you know, give her a look and maybe if she smiles back, that means you can approach. And if she moves her eye contact really fast, that means don't approach. But that yeah. that's the other thing. And this is kind of like, uh, you know, we've talked about this before to bring it into like a slightly different topic of like, you know, there's a, there's a lot of push for like enthusiastic consent. And, you know, we're focusing just, on these issues. Which, between, is a, which is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Be, and which I mean, is good. Yeah. Okay. And there's a lot of <laughs> Who focus. Who doesn't want enthusiastic consent? No, you want yeah. Them. There's a lot of focus on, you know, uh, trying to make women feel safer and, ta- uh, you know, really take control of, you know, reducing sexual assault and uh, rape and these kind of, uh, you know, sex crimes. And one of those things is like educating men properly. But then there's also the issue of like, all right, you know, when I'm on Reddit and I read through the comments, sometimes I have to be careful because sometimes for some people that are very like online a lot or they're really socially awkward, like sometimes they might say, oh, don't approach women ever. Like you can't go up and talk to a woman. That's creepy. Don't ever do that. You know, you know, I'm a woman and I've been approached by a man and it was very scary. And that's kind of an issue because it's like all right you deserve to be safe but also like it's okay for someone to talk to someone you know that's normal we're, we're human beings we're pretty social creatures so uh like i think there's like an aspect of like you should respect whether someone wants to talk to you but if you go on out in public you know it's not it's normal to think that someone might start having small talk with you like that's you know that's a normal thing you you know we shouldn't have to not talk to each other and and listen listen i i think i think this is all a little bit overblown because let's let's be real if 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 she wasn't using a camera and she wasn't isn't the whole point of that video as an influencer was to show that oh look this guy's a creep to make her uh feel to show her audience like look you know this creep is being creepy about me because i'm so good looking you know, uh, I, I think if the camera wasn't there, she would have probably handled it much better in person. Like how she did in the thing. The guy went, he wanted to move it. You know, she basically gave him no attention and he moved on. That's that, you know, that handled the situation. And it only blew up because it was on social media. Mm-hmm. Well, you know. But then there's also that topic we've talked about before where it does seem like Zoomers, like they are a little bit, some there's like this a trend or whatever of like almost being like draconian with like emotional like almost like having an awkward interaction for some people might rise to the level of uh you know sexual harassment or something like that like 
you know, there's a difference between sexual harassment, which is real, and women face it all the time. But then there's, you know, you, you're you going to have awkward interactions. That's normal. And, you know, an awkward interaction, like a guy that goes up to a woman and makes her feel uncomfortable because it's awkward, is not necessarily, you know, that's just something that's going to happen. That's, uh, you know, we're, we're social creatures. So, yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Yeah. I, I, I think there's like a, I mean, listen, right now, I think there's a recalibration about social react, uh, interactions and how you're supposed to talk to the opposite sex, uh, post me too. And post that there's a very healthy, uh, conversation going on about, you know, what's appropriate, not appropriate. And, you know, it's going to play out. It's going to take time. I think the zoomer generation, uh, is a little, they're a little bit different. They spent a lot of time online. That, that's so, one of my worries is I'm wondering if, uh, and that's what's weird too is if you go out in public you don't actually see this like uh yeah if you go out in yeah, public it's, it's mostly can... an online thing let's be yeah, real yeah this is a yeah. very online conversation so that's what's also weird too is like we're pre-selecting a group of people that are online a lot more so they're probably more likely to be introverts or a little bit more socially awkward and then there is that you know i am wondering you know because younger people have been living on the internet so much more than older people you know are they also just coming out a little bit more less equipped to deal with social situations and like you know talk to people in public uh you know without a screen in, in between no them. i i i do think there isn't i do think there's an effect i i think you know uh it's, it's important to be talking to people in real life and not just through screams and you can't blame them i mean fucking social media and all that made any interaction in their lives through the internet. Uh, so you can't blame young people for just being victims of the environment they were brought up in. And uh, listen, I mean, c- compare when our parents were young compared to uh, when we were young. Uh, you know, when our parents were young, they would just walk to school and walk home. They would go to the neighbor's house. They would just, you know, after school, they would just leave and go in the woods and fuck around for hours. Our generation, our parents were like, if you even leave the fucking house, you're going to get kidnapped yeah. and you're going to end up with your organs harvested. Yeah, there the are child the predators everywhere. And, and waiting for you, go, you outside. Yeah, every single child, there's one, every kid's got at least one child predator tracking them down. And if you yeah, go ride you, your bike in the neighborhood and you go gone. off the street, you're yeah. gone forever. You can't even trust the candy you fucking get because there's going to be razor blades in the apples and fucking poison in the Skittles. So, you know, it was this hyper-paranoid fucking generation of people. So we had a very different life growing up than our, you know, our parents did. And it's, I think it's just continuing the macro environment. It's, it's you know, is isolating us. And I think that's kind of what capitalism's whole point is supposed to do. They're, capitalism tries to isolate us as much as possible. They don't like making public spaces. They like making us only interact through the internet. You know, whether it be dating, whether it be... I mean, look at fucking uh, Elon Musk trying to... Not Elon Musk, sorry. Look at... Uh, what's his name? Uh, Meta. And, you know, Apple is going to join them and make their own metaverse. And so is uh, Microsoft. This whole idea is that the only way you're supposed to even go to fucking concerts is supposed to be online. You can't blame the young people for this. They're not the people who made the world. They're just people who are living in the world that was made by people by the previous generation who's trying to just absolutely monetize every single aspect of their lives, you know, instead of meeting people. And like, and we have that also with sex work too, is like, you know, I think it's good that, you know, there's the rise of OnlyFans and being able to do sex work in a safer 
more protected space, but then there's also well, a weirdness it's also where and that and that's monetizing it's like monetizing monetize, I- yeah. intimacy. Yeah, exactly. Monetizing. Fr- you want to have a friend? He's cool. He's cooler than you. He has a Bugatti. You have to go pay him some weird. You have to go pay him some money on tw- uh, Twitch to pretend like he's hanging out with you for a while. You want to have a fucking girlfriend that's really hot? Don't look at the girls in your actual life that you go to school with or college with. Go, you know, instead spend money so some, you know, um, influencer can, uh, you know. An OnlyFans t- t- girl can, can and, message yeah, you and yeah. talk to you. And listen, and it's fine to a point. I mean, listen, there's nothing wrong with a person who wants to consume eroticism. I mean, I'm not going to be a Puritan here and say, oh, only thing that's worthwhile is, you know, uh, real people. No. But it has a place, and it should be put in that place, and it shouldn't be the only time you ever interact with people. Well, it I guess be it's. Through this, yeah. I guess it's just unfortunate because it's like you know Twitch streaming and like OnlyFans models and like this kind of uh, selling of you know social interaction kind of stuff seems like I almost feel like it's rising in the face of younger people, especially being lonelier than ever before. You know, lone, uh, younger people are having less sex. They're drinking less. They're partying less, and they're uh, getting less know, STDs. Have... Well, getting, that's good. Yeah. That's you know, that's certainly good. But you know, well, not for the gynecologist, Anthony. That's true. You're putting it's a lot of them out of work. Exactly. It, it, yeah, and uh, you know, gynecologists—they're going to start. Uh, they're going to start paying men to intentionally infect other people with STDs. Uh, drive uh get more uh patients and, listen, but, and, and, a lo- and a lot of the reason why young people are experimenting less has to do with the macroeconomic factors of just that a lot of young people are not leaving the fucking bird's nest okay and they're not leaving the which bird's is nest like thing. a sign of like being a failure that's like you know if you don't in our generation face, sure in, yeah in, in, in this generation that you know that's where that joke comes but this generation is probably wise you know, that's how they really stick it to the uh, fucking corporate um, culture who wants you out of your house and wants you to be renting and wants you to be fucking, you know, putting money in their pocket and wants you to be desperate in a mortgage. You know, the reason why a lot of the young people, young people are just saying, you know, if the salary isn't good enough, go fuck yourself. Or if they're not going to get much money in the place, they'll just leave and go someplace else and don't even give notice. And I'm not going to bl- because they have less strengths. Especially young people who didn't go to college, they don't have student loans to worry about, so they can easily say "fuck you" to an employer, you know. Um, and the but that doesn't help with your dating life because a lot of the maturity in a lot of the way we're supposed to look at, uh, you know, whether or not you're ready to date is having a place where you can bring people to, you know, to have sex with. You well, can't do that if you're living at home. Well, uh, I think all- not easily. Well, I think also what happened with Aziz Ansari is kind of a good example, a little bit of uh, kind of the same realm of what we're talking about, where Aziz Ansari's was his creepy. sexual. It was creepy, but sex we, we well, but we wouldn't say that he's like a Harvey Weinstein. Or no, we no, wouldn't no. Say he's like he's an evil person. Uh, based no, on he's just you know, what unso- happened, he's just not socialized properly. You know, yeah. he just doesn't understand how to fucking interact with a woman. So that's kind of like uh, th- that's kind of the 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 problem we're dealing with a little bit is uh, you know, there we have because then we also have the rise of Andrew Tate and all the there's like 25 percent of young men haven't had sex yet before. Um, like yeah, well, what is Andrew Tate promising you? He's promising you get you can get laid, you can ha- drive an expensive car, you can control a woman, which is extremely exciting for lots of young men. 
Uh, and he also and tells he, you all your, you know, impressions or uh, like biases about women are true. That, oh, yeah, they are all whores and stupid and dumb and yes. only care about money. Yes, exactly. It plays exactly into all their insecurities and what their friends are telling them who are, you know, uh, who they're not happy with. I think, uh, you know, the, the real issue is that uh, I think our society is going through ever since the invention of contraception, uh, contraceptives and really the emancipation of women in a lot of way, our society has been moving to a new direction in terms of breaking down traditional roles in society and allowing people to have sex. And that's really breaking the brain and how we're supposed to behave with uh, people of the opposite sex. Like that has to all be rebuilt now in a way that's much more equitable towards women who for the longest time, you know, uh, were treated like shit and second-class citizens. So there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of coming into kind of like a, a mea copa with that and trying to come into a better future where we don't have uh, men you know can't just get away with being creepy anymore and men can't get away with being misogynistic. Andrew Tate, you know, for a lot of people, is kind of promising a past that they want to go back to where you can put you know women back in quote unquote their place in second tier people and that's why people find him attractive. Uh, that's what he's promising, and you get to drive a driver Bugatti. Hmm. Well, I uh, I will uh, keep an eye out for any woman in the gym that's recording. I'll make sure that I, you know, only harass the women without cameras around. Them, oh, okay? I'll I'll or I'll only politely approach and uh, and ask women on dates when there is no recording devices around. Okay, because I, I out of fear of being ousted in front of the entire internet. I just I do kind of feel bad for the guy that got caught in this because it does suck that you know a TikToker with millions of followers just kind of put him on blast to the entire. Yeah, and I feel internet. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, you know exactly. But remember, up. she she only, she had very little followers too. It really, it's that a lot of people wanted to bring this up. And yeah, but it, it blew up though. Her. Like it did. this blew it did. up like crazy. You know, people are still talking about it. And then there were other influencers like Jolie Swole who kind of came out and they have millions of followers and they made com- and they commented on this. Time subject. for the hard news. Let's move past <laughs> the dating shit. Okay. Let's, All right. All right. Um, let's go talk so, about the fun stuff. Yes. Yes. So Ukraine currently embroidered in a massive conflict with Russia. We've been reading the news uh, you know, every day we hear that Vladimir Putin's about to be cooed or he's about to be assassinated. Oh, yeah. And the, he's a madman. The Russian it's military is about to collapse. Yeah, and Vladimir Putin is insane. He's got many different medical issues. So the thing about the medical issues is I think there probably is some truth to that, but that's just because he's old. If, if, if they do this, yes. But listen, they do this every single fucking time. Uh, anytime we're at war with anybody... They always act like the person on the other side is mentally insane, you know. I mean, remember, they don't want to paint evading a country as anything when our enemies do it as anything but rational, okay? I mean, uh, sorry, anything but insane, I guess. Uh, well, it was a little insane for him to invade Ukraine, I think. That was a little insane, but I, I don't th- think Vladimir I don't, Putin's insane. I, I, don't, I don't think it was insane to invade Ukraine from his perspective. I don't. I think it was a... I think it was a horrible thing. I think it was a, a very effed up thing, and I wish he didn't do it. But from his standpoint, you know, it wasn't an insane... It was a rational choice. It may have not been the right call, but it was rational. Uh, there, was very, there was reasons to do it, you know? 
It's kind of like when uh, Saddam invaded um, Kuwait. It, you know, he wasn't mentally deranged when he did it. There was very rational reasons why that made sense. It ultimately didn't work out for him. Uh, but it was a rational decision, not an insane decision. It would have been insane for Putin to invade China. Okay, that would have been absolutely batshit crazy. I mean, maybe it wouldn't have. Maybe uh, the Western uh, world would have uh, supplied them with equipment or something. I don't know. but Probably it- would have. Probably would have. No, I mean, uh, they probably would have been supplying both sides in that case. Uh, you know, they're like, who gives a shit? Let them both shoot, each- shoot at but, each other. <clears throat> right now, it's weird because, oh, so we have NATO. So NATO's the defense alliance, basically, uh, position yeah. against uh you see, Russia, wait, you see that and, story about sweden and uh, uh yeah. sweden that was yeah, kind of crazy and finland are trying to enter into Tornado. nato and turkey is blocking them from joining yeah. in and it's just kind of funny because turkey has always been kind of like the uk of the european union like mm-hmm. they're always like the one that's but uh, they're not they're not in the eu they're, no they're not but i'm saying oh, like, they're I see, I see similar to the united point. kingdom like Turkey is always a country that has kind of wanted to follow its own path. So they routinely kind of intervene in uh, like, you know, so most of the NATO nations can be on board with a certain decision and Turkey might sit there and say, hey, we're not going to do this. Or they'll ask for some type of concession. Like right now, I think uh, one of the things that the United States is threatening them with is that they're not going to sell them f-16s and turkey's asking for the new f-35s i believe but kind of, right now I, I would i would i would i would i would a little bit uh recharacterize that a little bit i think i think there's i think the funny thing about the uk and turkey analogy is that unlike you know the difference is that uk is wanted, wanted to leave the eu and maintain control while turkey wants to join the eu and still be able to do things yeah, you know, they, they wouldn't let them into the EU for the longest time, uh, and they're kind of bitter about that. But when it comes to NATO, what happened? So w- what? What the news isn't telling you is that prior to this whole um, issue with Quran burnings in Sweden that made them get pissed off about Sweden joining, America was trying to bribe Turkey with the fighter jet sales. Okay, that was kind of oh, there it was. Before this happened, that was seen as a bribe to get them to agree to let Sweden join. Now, with the huff-off of what happened in Sweden, it looks really bad for a Muslim-majority country for for Erdogan to allow Sweden to join. So I so think he's getting wh- some pushback. what happened in Sweden? What happened in Sweden? Uh, you know, I, I've seen some videos of well, it on Well, there's competing, competing narratives. There's competing narratives. Uh, you know, some people are saying it was an organic um, Muslim boarding protest. Uh, some people are saying it was hijacked by the Russians. Uh, so you know, some far right people in Sweden are basically burning the Quran. Is yeah. essentially you know there was some uh, a far right influencer in Sweden that burned the Quran, and some of the uh, immigrant neighborhoods that are majority Muslim in Sweden uh, were doing protests, some of which did turn violent. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the, the, I think there's just some speculation that the Russians were like this is some kind of masterstroke Russian move to slow down the Sweden's process to joining. Um, but even before this happened, Turkey was fucking around with them joining, you know, uh, I think. So it's it's nothing new. It's just, it's just adding more into the already existing issue. Um, the, I think the bigger news is that a lot of the Western, I think is that the war keeps escalating is the bigger issue. Right now, the Americans are uh, with the Germans and the, the British are uh, sending tanks 
to Ukraine. And the reason they're doing this is because they are uh, worried that the Russians are going to start going on the offense. The troops that they mobilized before that we took about have been finally sent to the front, and the Russians are going to use this and start pushing on the front. Now, um, another thing to mention is that um, the Ukrainians are running out of uh, ammunitions and weapons. Uh, unlike Russia, who's mobilized to a full wartime economy, I mean, not mobilized, but they've mobilized more successfully their economy to fight this war. The rest of the world hasn't. Most of the ammunition and weapons we have made in the past in the West has been made to fight insurgencies. So like Humvees equipped with anti-IED stuff. That stuff is not the same as what you're going to need fighting Russians. That's more traditional armaments they would have to create. So now, the West, so basically in one year of fighting in Ukraine, um, the Ukrainians have used seven times the amount of ammunition America makes set in a year. So that's seven times or, they make or rather we sent year. we sent uh, equipment. We sent so much equipment to Ukraine that uh, it would take seven years to replenish the amount that we sent that's, to Ukraine. That's another way. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Exactly. So, base, and we can't keep doing that. I mean, obviously, we don't have... Obviously, we can't keep sending. <laughs> yes. You know, we can't be like, all right, we've just got these factories shooting out, you know, one bullet a minute. We're going to send them 10 bullets every minute. This, this, yeah, this, it's not going to happen. The math is not no. going to work out. So, and we this can't is, keep uh, hmm. equipping Ukraine at the same rate that we've been... Uh, doing and Zelensky, the leader of Ukraine, he's constantly pressuring, uh, you know, the United States and the Western allies to, hey, please send me more equipment, please send more. You know, he's even asked for, uh, you know, yeah. the countries to get involved to do like a no-fly zone or you know have their own troops come down. He which, Zelensky which wants, yeah, Zelensky wants, and it, I guess it doesn't. I don't blame him. I guess he's trying to do what he can to protect his country or protect yeah his i mean for him fuck yeah for That's him he wants everyone idea. involved <laughs> yeah why yeah, not he, let's go but it's a little bit scary uh so in that you know Zelensky's trying to escalate the war and russia's also trying to escalate the war you know the thing is the and, difference yeah. is you know if russia decided to stop invading ukraine then the war would stop it's not like if ukraine decided to stop fighting that the war would stop so there is that big difference right there. Yeah, the Russians have, they're the ones that are setting the tempo right now. So yeah, the they, war stops when they decide to stop because they are the offensive army. But, you know, it's not, the issue is that it's not only that we're, the West is running out of ammunition. Uh, by the way, for all this ammunition issues, that's basically means the 2013s, if the analysts are correct, the momentum of the war is going to switch to the Russian side. A lot of this um, bottleneck and issues are going to be solved by next year. So there's, there's massive investment into fixing all these um, ammunition production problems and stuff to, to continue the Ukrainians and Russians killing each other for well into the future. But uh, that's not going to you know take it to Thank a place. God. So the, Thank yes. God. So the tanks is kind of like our quick, here you go, take these new bad boys. We're not giving them our new generation of tanks. We're giving them our... The, our just most common generation. Not that many. Just like, I think, uh, 12 or 20. Just See, like I thought it was any. 14. I think they were saying yeah. 14. Uh, yeah, that's, oh my God, and, huge. And Germany was telling, uh, like, asking the uh, United States to send their main battle tanks to uh, to Ukraine. But they're the sending these, yeah, they're sending these tanks. Um, you know, I saw, on th- you know, one of the top posts on Reddit was like, uh, you know, a, an article talking about how these tanks are going to be sent to Ukraine. And the comments, you know, people, general public, 
their understanding of this is like, oh yeah, get them boys. Like this is going to be the final nail in the coffin of the Russian military. When the story is not really that simple. This is yeah, not like a, Russia's uh, failing and then they're sending the tanks to do the final blow. Uh, it's more like Russia is getting ready to do a new next phase of the war, which is going to be very bloody. And, uh, you know, there's there's Russia's already, I think, gained some ground. Uh, I just checked the, the live uh, war map, uh, you know, and they're... Yeah, they, they started con- their offensive. Yeah, yeah they, they control a sizable portion of the territory, but uh, maybe you uh, would rather, uh, you know, d- describe what's going on, Ryan. Yeah, it's just that there's, you know, the, the idea is that, first of all, these tanks that are being sent, the, uh, Leo, the Leopards, the Challengers, and the Abrams, all, uh, all of these um, uh, tanks, the, you can't just send them to... Ukraine and say, okay, use them now. You know, the crews have to be trained in how to use them. A, B, they need to set up proper logistic networks to be able to repair these vehicles uh, and, you know, man them correctly so they can actually be used in the battlefield. You know, so it's, those tanks are going to probably take where they can get deployed. You know, they're going to take a while. Some people project a couple of months before they can even start being used uh, in the battlefield. So that's, so you're basically, and listen, and sending all of your crane, all these weapons all the time and ammunition and armaments, it's also slowing down the, uh, it's also what we call, it's ruining our own, uh, the Americans, uh, military Navy at the same time, because, you know, there's, there's people in, um, the Navy and people in the military complaining about this saying, Hey, you can't just keep sending them all our fucking toys, because we don't have them anymore, and we need—we're not "quote unquote" battle ready to fight a war if we had to, because we're gonna have no fucking weapons to do it. So they're sounding the bells and they're freaking out uh, about about this too. You know, once again, and you're like, "Why?" I thought we spend trillions of dollars on the military every year. Yes, you're correct, but that's for contractors. That's not for getting us ready to go into wars. That's to build McMansions uh, near DC and make these people live the most comfortable lives possible. Uh, hell uh, yeah, baby. More Corvettes and and uh, Ferraris for defense contractors. And more Ruth Chris's for the uh, <laughs> steakhouses, you know. More the government's... fancy steakhouses. Exactly, exactly. And golf courses and bullshit, you know, for these people because it really is just a transfer of wealth. And the second reason really is is because we didn't need to build lots of these kinds of uh, weapons for war, for, for counterinsurgencies, where you're really looking at close quarter combat and, you know, you don't need to really use javelin fucking missiles to fight uh, Iraqi insurgencies because, they're, you know, it's just, it's not needed. So most of the stuff we did set up the supply chain is just, you don't need anymore. So that's kind of what's going on in Ukraine now. Whether or not the Russians are going to be able to push, they are pushing, whether they're going to be successful... You know, uh, right now, another thing to point out is that despite all the um, social media propaganda, the death count really does seem to be one-to-one. For every one Ukrainian dies, just one Russian. For the Ukrainians to win, they need to kill one-to-four because there's a lot more Russians than there are Ukrainians in the end of the day. But that's kind of where we're at with the war. I was, you know, talking to someone, and they said that, you know, if they were in charge, you know, the only reason this war is going on is because sleepy Joe Biden doesn't have the guts That's funny. to call up Vladimir Putin. You know, if I were in charge, I would just sit him down, 
give them a stern conversation. You know, say, listen that would here. solve everything. Listen here, bucko. You got to just stop invading Ukraine. Cut it out. Let's just work cut it out. out a deal. You know, let's just, just stop it. And I just love the idea of, like, people that don't follow uh, geopolitics as closely. Like, they view it like these are, like, backyard beefs or, like, uh, schoolyard beefs. Or they're, like, simple arguments between, like, family yeah. members or brothers or whatever. Uh, so, Ryan, could you tell me, why can't we just sit Putin down and say, hey, knock it out. Just stop it. Don't don't invade Ukraine. Why can't we just do that? No, I mean, it's, listen, I, I, listen, I am sure if we gave Putin a fucking peace treaty to a certain extent that allowed him to either not allow Ukraine to join NATO, he would accept it. He doesn't want the reason why he got involved was to stop Ukraine from joining NATO. Uh, and stop the Ukrainians from getting further integrated with the European Union. And it's like, uh, people seem to not understand that, despite the fact that Sweden and Finland are running towards NATO as fast as possible right now. And we can understand why that would be a threat to the Russians, but we can't understand that the Ukrainians are doing. We would much rather think, oh, no, Putin just wants to, he's crazy. That guy just gives a shit about, you know, uh, stealing money from his own country that's his number one objective and to stay in power and probably that's what he gives a shit about he doesn't give a fuck about anything else uh, that's not important to him the reason why we can't sit him down uh, is because he's gonna ask for concessions he's gonna ask that uh some concessions of stuff that, we don't want to give him we don't want to give him and listen and and and, and you know for these fucking ghouls who are in charge of our our, our foreign policy they will let Ukrainians get killed for another year if they had to. They don't give a shit. I mean, there was this famous uh, conversation where Lindsey Graham was having a conversation with Trump and um, uh, tr- Trump and uh, North Koreans were threatening to um, blow up um, Seoul. And uh, Lindsey, uh, Trump says, oh my God, we can't let that happen. There's like 3 million or 4 million people that live in Seoul. It's a huge city. It's beautiful. It's the best city. You know, something like that. We can't stop it. And Lindsey Graham says... Why? We would. I would much rather have them die over there than over here. Let them die over there. You know, like who? At least it's them doing the dying. And that's and how he these said people something think like, "I don't care if a million Koreans, uh, South Koreans die." When no, we they don't care. They don't, they don't. They don't care. It doesn't make a fucking difference to them. Who gives a shit? You know what? That just gets rid of some of our competitors. We're no longer gonna have Samsung compete against our shitty TVs in the States. If we even build TVs anymore, I don't even know if we do. What the fuck is an American TV? <laughs> they're, they're built in China, but uh, it's just... Well, but uh, what's the brand? I mean, I'm literally confused. I don't know. Uh, Westinghouse, maybe? Do you, have you ever seen a Westinghouse TV in your life? I, I only know because I used to have one. So that's why. Uh, I, I literally only know Samsung it's, and um, the Chinese one. LG, L- which is also Korean, Korean. I believe. Uh, yeah, I just I just don't Sony, which is Japanese. Well, okay, let's just yeah. well, yeah, but hey, if 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 uh, Korea got bombed, you wouldn't have to worry about um, you know, their access to the electronic. And Apple would be really happy that they wouldn't have to compare compete against Samsung anymore. I know. I'm uh, waiting so, for that to happen when we uh, you know, because we're no, but, moving but that's the ban fucking... TikTok is, is that that's you know, are we gonna start attacking our allies? Uh, you know, uh, companies at some point. 
you know, because, uh, you know, Samsung makes a lot of money. They sell a lot of phones. You know, why Why does South Korea get to get rich off of this? Well, and that's 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 the problem with being elites is that once you're in power for so long, you stop looking at people as, you know, they're just become like, it's okay for them to, for millions of them. That's why I was not in favor for even this conflict happening. And I really didn't want this war to happen. And, you know, a lot of people were cheering on this war and it's, it's like you do you not understand that these are actual human beings that are going to be doing the dying they're not this is not just numbers on your fucking tv screen yeah it's unfortunate i can only imagine like uh every single brothel in central asia i feel like is and maybe parts of europe europe is now going to be stabbed with a bunch of ukrainian women because yeah that's what happens your sex trafficking goes up exactly exactly it's just awful it's awful for everybody you already have poor Ukrainians being kidnapped as refugees who are trying to flee by uh, predators and uh, fucked up people on Poland. And this war is keep escalating. I mean, look, now we have Ukraine doing, we're sending fucking tanks. And now we have, um, Russia has mobilized 300,000 troops. Poland is secretly repairing uh, Ukrainian uh, tanks, even though they're not an active participant of the war. America's trying to share intelligence with um, Ukrainians to start doing bombings inside of Russia. Uh, this war is not that's the, the these wars are not controllable they just escalate and get worse and worse and worse uh you know i think there's kind of like a delusion people have that you know especially like lawyers that think that oh no we're gonna let this war fa- fight within the confines of what we think is appropriate and it's gonna stay there I, I, you know talking about elites i think there's also that really great uh janet yellen uh memo that got leaked yes yeah, so janet yellen she uh i think she is currently the chair uh right of the fed so the fed basically makes this the fed basically controls our monetary policy so the fed the federal so, Reserve, so she's, she's the head of she's the secretary of the treasury yeah so basically the fed essentially and she used to be uh one of the um people in charge uh at the fed uh, or she used to work for them. Um, but basically what the Fed does is it sets monetary policy so they can decide, you know, how much m- the interest rates that they that the government, the Fed, loans to banks. And long story short, without getting too deep into it, they basically determine interest rates, essentially. And interest yeah, rates affect a lot of things in our economy. So exactly. they have a couple of levers that they can change that, you know, they determine essentially how much you have to pay on interest when you get a student loan or a housing loan or credit card loan or, you know, any kind of financing, basically. She is, uh, you know, helped determine uh, that number. So anyways, there was a memo, Ryan, and what 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 did she say? Yeah, I think the memo was really interesting because it kind of underlines how a lot of our elites look at uh, working class people. So back in, I think, 1996 or 1998, Alan Greenspan's position was starting to wobble. And he needed uh, to basically convince everybody to increase the interest rate. Uh, and what happened is this, um, Janet Yellen at the time wrote him an internal secret memo about why increasing the interest rate is a good thing. And this wasn't meant for uh, common consumption. So they were just speaking really honestly to each other without all the bullshit that we hear. Only reason we know about this memo is because an historian who was writing a book, I believe, did a freedom information uh, request with the government, and she, they obtained the memo. And basically, what the memo comes out to saying is that, listen, um, 
when the economy is doing too well, normal people start getting ahead. That working class people start joining unions. They start getting too much power. They start capturing too much of the surplus of its core words, uh, a surplus of profits uh, from companies. So what we really need to do here in the Fed is make sure that we beat down working class people, make sure that the government job will actively create some unemployment. Now, the reason why we're going to make people live in the street, become unemployment, be, you know, and all the horrors that happen with that substance abuse, alcohol abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, uh, health abuse, all, all of the things that happen with it, we must allow that to happen. Because if we don't do that, we won't be able to discipline the working class. We need to create unemployment as a way to punish working class people and make sure they know not to ask for more money or more benefits. Otherwise, they will be poor. That's kind of what that memo, <laughs> what she was outlining. Alan Greenspan loved it so much that he got it and he shared it with a bunch of other people in his department and the increased interest rates to do that. But that memo was never, ever meant to be released to the public. And the reason why I bring that up, Anthony, is that this is a really good article coming that I want you to read for uh, our audience. It kind of talks about what... The, so this is kind of what they tell each other, and then this article is what the, what you're supposed to read and you're supposed to understand. And so... You wanna... Yeah, so... It, but it, essentially, you know, Janet Yellen, she essentially is using... Uh, talking the way that Marxists might talk about, That's like, true. you know, seizing the means of production, worker, uh, you know, uh, labor, capital, all that stuff. But she's basically she's, talking she's like about an in, She's an inverse Marxist. That's yeah, she's right. talking about the opposite perspective of, like, you know, Marxists might say something like, oh, we need to seize the means of production and the workers need to claim their, you know, excess uh, profit or... And you need, you, they need to stop being exploited by capitalists. But she, on the opposite end, is like, oh, we need to beat down the workers. We need to make sure that they're insecure. And one of the things that I thought was interesting is, like, she views, uh, you know, if workers are very insecure, that they might lose their job at a moment's notice or they might not be able to get another job. That's actually very good because, in her words, she thinks, sees it as inflation isn't going to go up. And inflation is very bad. And if we have too much inflation, well, that led to the rise of Hitler. And, you know, so in essence, if workers <laughs> aren't nervous and scared in their job, then we're going to get another Adolf Hitler is, you know, basically how they're thinking about it. But all right. I'm but gonna but, but, but an, an important thing to talk about and to talk about inflation, this isn't said enough, is that inflation, by the way, for those who are listening, isn't necessarily a bad thing. Okay. Their hyperinflation is bad. That's a completely separate thing. But inflation with a corresponding increase in wage growth is not a bad thing. The reason why is because let's say you have a mortgage. Let's say you have student loans. Let's say you have any number of uh, debts. Okay, If the inflation rises higher, your debt still say, stays the same. So if you took it before the increase in interest rates. Okay. So it gets easier to pay back loans, easier to pay back credit card debt, easier to pay back uh, all these things. And the reason why the ruling class, if you will, doesn't want interest rates to go up is because, I mean, sorry, doesn't want inflation to go up is because they don't, they own all the debt that you're paying. So they don't want to get less money. So that's why they want to fight inflation. Some inflation is healthy. 
for us. And actually, we need inflation. We don't need 70% inflation for fucking eggs like we're getting now. You know, but I think with the supply, when the supply issues are fixed, that should go down. But just just a little side note, when anybody has this conversation about inflation. But let's get into this article. So where's this article from? Um, it's from the Wall Street Journal. All right. So this is from the Wall Street Journal, written by Charles Calamiris. And, and the <clears throat> point of this article is to kind of illustrate how conservatives view income inequality in our society. And, you know, this article gets into it. So we've got a memo from Janet Yellen, who's in charge of the Fed, who basically determines our monetary policy, essentially admitting behind closed doors that the purpose her job is basically to make it so that you're very scared at your job and that at any moment you're afraid you might get laid off. And that's actually very good. This is what they the call workers insecurity. Yeah, worker yeah. insecurity. It's actually very good for the economy. So remember, that's what Greenspan said is the miracle of our economy. So, the myth of American inequality. Review. Believe your eyes, not the statistics. <clears throat> According to Mark Twain, it ain't what you don't know that gets you in trouble. It's what you know that ain't so. The Myth of American Inequality by Phil Graham, Robert Eklund, and John Early quotes that wisdom, then offers 250 pages of analysis proving it. Before reading the book, you should ask a few questions to test the author's hypothesis that misleading government statistics have led many Americans to misperceive the prevalence of poverty, the degree of inequality, and the changes in these measures in recent decades. Has the average standard of living grown substantially since the 1960s? Has inequality shrunk over that period? Did the post-1960 redistributive policies reduce the percentage of families living in poverty? Media commentators and politicians seem to believe that little progress has been made in raising average American living standards since the 1960s, that poverty has not been substantially reduced over the period, that the median household standard of living has not increased in recent years, and inequality is currently high and rising, a truth universally acknowledged, according to The Economist magazine in 2020. The authors, a former chairman of the Senate Banking Committee, a professor of economics at Auburn University, and a former economist at the Bureau for Labor Statistics. So the three these... worst people on the planet. <laughs> show that these beliefs are false. Average living standards have improved dramatically. It's almost, sorry, I just wanted to make another joke. It's almost like having like, all right, we've got a, you know, why slavery is actually really good for the slaves. <laughs> yes, here we got, uh, here we got the the owner of Candyland Plantation. We've and got the, the head of the slave catcher, the slave catcher's union. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and the, the shame, execution. And the shame, and, and the shame and gilding society. Yeah, <laughs> and and we got the slave. Yeah, we got the slave catchers association also to make yeah. a comment of why it's actually good. So and who yes. knows more about slavery than these three people? Why yes. they? Yes. Yeah. So believe yeah. it with your eyes. Yeah, yeah believe it with your <laughs> eyes. Look at all the wealth these slaves are creating. But so yeah. real income of the bottom. So average living standards have improved dramatically. Real income of the bottom quintile. The authors write grew more than 681% from 1967 to 2017. Damn. The percentage of people living in poverty fell from 32% in 1947 to 15% in 1967 to only 1.1% in 2017. 
While opportunities created by economic growth and government-sponsored social programs funded by that growth produced broadly shared prosperity, 94% of households in 2017 would have been at least as well off as the top quintile in 1967. The bottom quintile households enjoy the same living standards as middle quintile households, and on a per capita basis, the bottom quintile has 3% higher income. The top First quintile, of all, we, we have a problem right there already, and, and um, I don't like the idea that they're using households, okay? Because without knowing any more of the context, I can see a situation where they're only, as we know, that less people are getting married and less people are staying in fucking households. households most people are, are living, yeah, most people are like, kids are moving back in with their families. Exactly, so. exactly. So it's so, so, it's yeah, so it's deceptive. A, it's already deceptive statistic because you already, nowadays, you have to be more affluent to even have a fucking proper household. So it's already being more self-selective. So even using that statistic, it's kind of like, you know, oh, look, less people, uh, I mean, it's, it's like it's removing a lot of the population because a lot of people you know, can't afford to get married or can't afford to be in households. As you know, the millennials have less kids. And then it's also just funny because I already see like the classic argument, too, of like, look, things are better iPhones. since when there were serfs, you know, the, the the world has gotten better since the 1200s. So that's why you should shut the fuck up and stop complaining. Yeah. Don't because you you're like actually... your iPhone, kids. Yeah. So and your TikToks. Yeah, um, the top quintile households receive income equal to roughly four times the bottom and only 2.2 times the lowest on a per, per capita basis, not the 16.7 proportion properly reported. Um, okay, so they're basically saying that the top quintile, the top fifth of household, and that's what I love it too, is like the conversations are usually about the top 1% or the top 0.1%, yes, but they're like, yes. no, 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 the top 20% Don't look at actually. Them. Yeah, yes. no, no, no. If we if we group the top with more people, then you know the statistics look. Yes, that, that's like exactly. Oh, well, of course, okay. That's like the top zero point one percent go eat at out. I mean, go eat at out. The top twenty percent eat at Outback. So do the bottom twenty percent. So there's parity. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like they're lying with it, statistics. Yeah, that's exactly what they're doing. So what explains the di- disconnect between reality and belief? Government statistical reports exclude non-cash sources of income, which excludes most transfers from social programs. Taxes, paid proportionally by high earners, are also ignored in official calculations. Furthermore, even the government's quote-unquote cash income numbers are reported in a way that understates improvements in real inflation-adjusted income over time. Because government inflation measures fail to use the appropriate chain price indexes or take account of new products or services. A quote-unquote iPhone. Yeah, or TVs. TVs is the classic one because TV is the product that has had the most substantial decrease in price over the past couple of years the past couple decades so they like yes. they, they basically like to a point at like older people be like remember when tvs used to be thousands of dollars now yeah, you can get a cost yeah yeah you used get to a cost you for a hundred bucks a second job and you would have to refinance your house to buy one you know now you can buy them gizmos for a nickel yeah and it's just like they own they often will say tvs because that's not if you look at other products that yeah is not i care more about health care yeah, I I, care. I I got to I don't even have a TV. I don't even watch yeah. TV. I don't give a fuck about TVs. So, but they'll commonly choose TVs cuz they have the 
biggest uh, price uh, yeah. uh, decrease. So, <clears throat> so the equality of uh, the equality of consumption. Oh, increased earned income inequality is the natural consequence consequence of redistributive policies. If one can enjoy median household consumption without earning any income, the incentive to work is substantially diminished. This largely explains the growing distance between earned and total income for poor households. Transferred to those households have gone up dramatically. Ironically, is the very success of redistribution in reducing poverty and inequality that has led to the mismeasurement to create the false perception of increased inequality. So that's so this is also this is the welfare argument. Yeah, yeah. This is the welfare argument. So he's basically saying it's too, too much money. It's so bullshit too. He's saying there's so much money going to poor people, and it's not, and the, and as we all know. And that's know. what's funny is like the policies that help poor people, like to afford food. It's like it's also funny because he's like, look more. So uh, social services are paying for poor people. Is that not an argument for poor people are getting poorer then? Is that not exactly. saying like, oh, yeah. more money is going to them. It's because they're even poorer. It's because they can't afford to live. It's even harder to live. So like the idea yeah, because, that like, oh, look, they're just sitting around not working. It's yeah, like, that's see, not true at all either. The, A lot of genius, people work two or genius, three jobs. The genius of this article, the absolute fucking genius of this article is supposed to convince the quote unquote top uh, to con- to convince the readers of the Wall Street Journal, which are mostly affluent people in our society, I think the average reader of the Wall Street Journal has over a million dollars in wealth, to convince them that they're paying too much taxes and it's all going to poor people. That's that what this working. that's what this is trying to do. Who aren't working and are living off the fat 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 fucking of the federal government. The equality of consumption between the bottom quintile, in which only thirty six percent of prime age persons work. And the middle quintile, in which 92% of prime age persons work, is a striking finding. As the authors note, it is hard to see how a middle-income family with two adults both working would not represent resent the fact that the other prime work-age people who are not working at all are just about as well off as they are. So, see, that's exactly the thing. It's like, oh, you're you're paying your mortgage and everything. Look next door. There's a section with you know eight housing or whatever with a poor person living in it through taxpayer money that your taxes are going to. It's basically saying that the reason you're not well off in our society has nothing to do with income inequality because that doesn't exist according to this. It's actually saying the reason you're not doing well off is we're taking too much of your money and we're giving it to your uh, neighbor who isn't working. Also, I just love the idea of like oh the 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 bottom twenty uh fifth of people they actually live the same quality of life as people that make a lot more than them because of so yeah. much social services. Like that's yeah, exactly that, the point that they're, doesn't, they're to, yeah, that doesn't make sense at all. Have, but, just take a drive through West Virginia and tell me if you think those people are living as well as, you know, yeah. middle-class people in, uh, you know, a normal suburban like outskirts of any city. Yeah. That's what they're trying to say. They're trying to tell these people who don't go to West Virginia, that those people in West Virginia are, Going to your, they're like, you know, it's, they're it's living off the fat say, of the lamb. They're basically trying to say that, have you ever been to a restaurant and seen people there where you question why they're there and that you're much better than them and they shouldn't be in that restaurant? Well, that's happening, sir, because, you know, the government's taking your money away and giving it to them. And because of that, they can enjoy the same consumption, the equity of consumption that you're getting, which they shouldn't be getting. So this is basically saying that, listen, because a lot of middle class Americans, they want to feel like 
you know, this is just playing into those more grosser uh, natures of humanity, which is trying to say that the reason why they're making the, the, those people are living in your community or consuming or going to your restaurant is not because they're also working for that money and they they have a right to be at that table is because your taxes are going to them and you're hardworking and you're, you know, 92% of you are with you and your wife. See, look at it. It's beautiful. It's saying you and your wife are working your ass off trying to put money in the table while 36% of the other people aren't even working. Of the they're poor. Loafing, they're like the know. bottom fifth of the, uh, like people who uh, are the bottom fifth of our, in terms of wealth or income rather. It's, uh, so they're saying only 36% of the people of prime age people uh, are working. So they're saying like yeah. a very small minority of these people are working. So and what they're, they're, and they're is consuming at the same rate. Yeah, yeah. And they're, consuming they're getting the, the same, same iPhone. It's the same everything. You know, that's that's the point. Say that, which is just hilarious just, to even think yeah. this is like, like, like it's just hilarious it's, to like it's, it's drive really through propaganda. any ghetto and just be like, oh yeah, you know, mm. the outskirts of uh of uh like uh, Chicago, the, yeah, yeah or Chicago, yeah. yeah, or Detroit, or yeah, Baltimore. They're, they're living at they're consuming or, the same like I'm consuming. You know, it's yeah. fucking insane. It's absolutely fucking insane. So, and there's also, yeah, but, uh, and then there is also an issue of like, you know, for example, of like, why are people in West Virginia so poor? Or sometimes like, why are they like, some of them not even working? Part of it is like, there are no opportunities for jobs. Like they can't drive even Uber because Uber won't even pay them enough because everyone in the town is poor. So the coal mines shut off. There are no jobs. Walmart comes in. And that's basically the only place. Yeah, that's to a fulfillment fulfill, fulfill center that breaks your fucking back. Yeah, or Amazon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the myth of American inequality will have a positive effect on the quality of policy dis- discussions, and may well achieve its objective of changing the ways in which government agencies report information about American household income and consumption. At a time when partisan tribalism makes serious discussions almost impossible in Washington, the book shows that economists, economics is still a powerful toolkit for informing and disciplining our thinking across the partisan divide. And I love yeah, this bullshit funny. argument like, oh, yes, this is all very rational and reasonable yeah, and bipartisan. We just- we just, we just, you know, we, we're we actually just, very moderate. I'm actually a liberal that believes that we should cut we all need, social safety yes, programs. Yes, and, and, and poor and we people need, are. And, and, yes, and we need to really, you know, redefine how we describe poor people's consumption. And, you know, we should count their shitty steaks as prime steaks. We should count their fucking, you know... Uh, um, generic store brand cornflakes is like vegan brand uh, stuff in Whole Foods. And if we only really get creative in the way we define consumption for poor people, then we can really pretend like our society is actually equal. And I mean, come and if on, we can pretend a, our society a trailer is equal, in a trailer park, is it really that different from a McMansion? Exactly. In a, in it's, they're basically the, it's, this, it's basically the same thing. You know, it's, it's, listen, they buy clothes from um, Goodwill, you buy clothes from whatever, you know, from your fucking uh, come on, fancy clothes place. are clothes. Houses, exactly. housing is houses. A bed's a bed. Who cares yeah. if it's infested with uh, bed bugs? Come on. Yeah, exactly. Look, they stay in a motel. You stay in a hotel. You know, it's the same consumption. It's the it's same. It's funny thing. too because like what they're literally saying is like so they're saying like we got to cut these programs that like uh, allow these people to consume more. So what they're like literally saying is like all right, 
you know how there are like school lunch programs for kids and then that's what's important is like they talk like this in a way that's so difficult to actually understand what would actually in reality happen so there are school lunch programs where poor uh, and low income kids can either pay like a very reduced amount for school lunch yeah. this is like elementary school and middle yeah, school those kids just kids shouldn't eat yeah fuck they them. should cut that actually that's what they're basically yeah. advocating through this yeah. is like no yeah, exactly. no we should cut those programs because yeah they're exactly and you know it costs so much to feed kids you know really shitty low quality well, food so this is it's genius because it's grouping up the top middle class with the billionaire class and saying that you guys are actually in the same class and then it's separating the really poor into a separate class and saying that you know you'll feel better about how poor you are if you make them more poor and maybe you could squeeze more money from that. Yeah, because the, there's not much programs. of a difference. There's really not much of a difference between the top 60%, like the bottom 60%. But like the difference between the top 0.1% and the top 1% is like... It's huge. Unbelievable. And it's even 0.01% to the top 0.1% is massive. That's where all the fucking wealth is. I mean, that's the problem with these author uh, authors are not fucking taking into account is that the majority of wealth gains and wealth held is by the very top 0.01%. So they the reason why... You know, like, they ignore outliers. Problems. Like, they're like, oh, like, they use statistics to lie, but they're also, like, just like any other, like, very good use of statistics, they don't mention any of the outliers. Like, it, it would be criminal to, like, uh, show statistics and be like, oh, yeah, we're going to talk about the different quintiles or quartiles. Like, if there was... Yeah, fucking you know uh, some numbers that are just off the chart over to the right like it, it you have you would have to mention it but like they don't mention the fact that there's well, such an insane well, yeah inequality. well no but no i mean listen like statistically speaking you're not supposed to mention outliers but like what you're saying is accurate because in this case those outliers control 50 80 of the fucking wealth in the nation yeah it's not yeah it's not a small that, outlier off, though it's yeah, like a huge cut off 80 cut off 80 of the wealth and put it to the side and let's just focus on the remaining 20 and how that's in a Who's getting what from that portion? That's what they're trying to basically do here. Uh, so I also have really funny comments by some of the comments I saw on this on the bottom. I found two that I thought was worth a mention. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> we got a comment from Boomer Joe. Having once lived in a trailer, single wide, not like those uppity people in the double wide, I went into the Air Force and got money for college. I wasn't the greatest student, but I showed up for school, and then I showed up for work. God I think damn most it. People, I think most people can end up in the top 5% of the inequality scale if they just show up and work. That's true. So you can, if 50% of people can fit into 5% of people, if they just, I mean, that's how numbers work, you know. Yeah, 5% I know. Actually can most just people can end up into the top 5%. <laughs> yes, it's just that's how that's how 5% works, you know. Yeah. It doesn't mean 5% of the people, it just means, you know, five star. We're gonna, you can I, I believe if we take, I think that was literally from like, Listen, uh, who's America. Joke. That was literally from yeah. who's America. He made that joke. He's like, we can take, if we can take 51% and put it, 
in the top lump. If we take the 99% and put it in the 1%, then yeah. the 1% will no longer be without the 99%. Do you understand? Damn right. And yeah. then the second thing is this guy's like, basically the government intervened. In and I love the fucking like uppity people in the double yeah, like, yeah. like yeah. Like the wealth inequality among, like he's got like class uh, consciousness, <laughs> but only among him and other his fellow poor people that live in a trailer no. park so he's only I, like uh, oh i hate the rich people in the trailer park because they're uppity but the yeah. really rich people who have fly they're, private they're, jets they're, and have they're wild, just like me they're yeah. just yeah they're just like me no, and they I, I, I like the, i like the part that he says that oh look if it wasn't for the government intervening and giving me a, job, a bullshit job at the air force and free money for college you know, I would have never made it. But thanks. But he doesn't mention that that was a government intervention and that was people's taxpayer money coming out of their pocket and going to his pocket that subsidized his life to make him climb that income uh, mobility ladder. He doesn't feel he like, like that if, would... if the government didn't provide me with a nice, no, high no, no. Paying he's job like, he's like, the government and... never helped me at all. No, I know. You know. I had to go to the Air Force and get he's like, the government large. never yeah, helped me. So that's why yeah. I went into a government jobs program. They gave me a yeah. great job. And then the government paid for my college. And that's yeah. why, god damn it, I'll never I'm, know why people won't work hard without yeah. the assistance of government. Yeah, it's the government makes people not work hard because of that. You know, yeah. That's the problem, is that he doesn't recognize that the reason why he escaped it was it fucking intervened. I mean, and then, the sec- yeah. yeah, so inequality is good. It means society has incentives for people to do better. If you want to see equality... Look at Cuba or Venezuela. So, so why I love this comment? Do we so have much, like the lightning strike? Like <laughs> Venezuela? Oh no! I I, I I fucking love this comment so much. I fucking love it because the whole entire article above was basically saying that we have equality in America. <coughs> okay, the whole article above is trying to say that actually America is very equal because consumption is equal and all this is equal. Okay, this fucking dumbass doesn't understand that he basically ignored the whole general bull the, the bullshit that the article was supposed to have us all believe and actually america is an equal society yeah because you know? like and the article in in essence is essentially saying actually everyone yeah. pretty much has this most people have pretty similar levels of yes. stuff they consume well, I, I except kinda, the poor yeah. except the poor par- don't work I, I, for it I, exactly i actually cut out two paragraphs which i wish i didn't um, right now, but the various paragraphs essentially said, just for time, because I don't want you to read the whole time, but basically there's two paragraphs kind of said, uh, if you actually look at statistics with their new approach, America is more equal than France and Germany and Sweden. The only reason it's not as equal is because we don't count all these benefits poor people get. So he's basically saying we're already in a very equality, for, uh, egalitarian society. So common two is not saying, um, uh, Equality is bad. Look at America, because he's basically acknowledging that yes, this is an unequal society, and it's good for us. That homeless person By, is actually and he's, lying to you, and he's reading this fucking article and, and agreeing with the general consensus. It's a conclusion. It's literally a fucking perfect encapsulation of double think. I fucking love it. You know, it's I know, it's and, I, and I love like the idea of incentives because it's like, yeah, no one ever does anything unless there's an economic incentive. Ever. Yeah, this no is, one's yeah, ever done a thing you know 
why would yeah, anyone exactly. do anything? Yeah, exactly. You know, every time a fucking cat is hungry, I'm like, what, what, what's the economic incentive here? What are you every gonna, time what are you someone's drowning in the, in the ocean and I'm a lifeguard... But yeah. I uh, I get off the clock. I'm like, what's my economic incentive? Yeah, to help let's, these, let's, these negotiate. let's negotiate. Yeah, right hold now, on. Bucko. I'm off the clock, Bucko. So you're gonna have to find some other lifeguard who's getting paid to do this exactly. service. Yeah, or, or like you know, a fire give, department. Or when, or when you or when you give birth to your kid, you know, you're supposed to charge them a debt for the birthing service. Otherwise, yes. you know, I know that's what to... I'm gonna do with my kids. Yeah. When I have kids, I'm gonna rack up every dollar I spent on them, and they're gonna have to pay it back to me. It's very smart of you. That's that's you know. It's yeah, very, I remember very smart. reading an article about a, a parent, some older gentleman who did that to his kid, and he's like, "Why doesn't my daughter talk to me anymore? <laughs> Just trying to show her the value of hard work." It's like, well, all right. Uh, yeah, I mean, exactly, because you're supposed to subsidize your fucking kids' uh, livelihood so they can fucking get more ahead. But uh, that's no, that's exactly the problem. You know, we don't all work from incentives. Actually, there was a good study that was done years ago that said that uh, incentives actually cheapen the transaction and uh, cheapen the the thing that people actually tend to be less motivated. People can be much more uh, motivated to community, to helping each other out. This is why when you're at your job, your boss doesn't go. Hey, we should all work hard and I'll pay you all more. You know, they don't want you. Actually, there's a whole theory of psychology called industrial psychology uh, that believes in how the whole group is how to motivate people without incentives because businesses don't want to motivate their workers through money because that costs them. They want to motivate them through, you know, like socials, dance offs, stickers, any fucking thing they can do that doesn't put money in somebody's pockets. Employee of the year. It's like you know any kind of cheap thing they can do that doesn't cost them more money. I mean, Smedley Butler so just, uh, talked about but this think... about how in the uh, 1800s they used to because uh, he fought in the Banana Wars, uh, which is like the late 1800s, the like first war, the wars of uh, U.S. imperialism, and he talked about how they used to offer bonuses mm-hmm. for like bravery and uh, you know being really like exhibiting high value valor in combat. But they started uh, giving less bonuses because they found they could just give soldiers medals and they'd be just as happy getting medals and titles that were actually much cheaper to the government. Uh, exactly. So I thought, you know, it's funny how humans work is like we have even the people in charge that care only about money know that humans aren't only motivated by money and they openly yeah, talk but- about it to their benefit. But the reason but- we have to pay the CEO so much money is so they're incentive to work hard and make us all better off. See, like that's that's what's funny about it. So they they use it as a way to protect their own interests. But when it comes to you, it's like fuck you. I think that's I think that's a good uh, place to wrap up this episode. Well, I guess um, make sure you guys follow us at our Twitter at Real Big Brain. Go to our website, BigBrainChungus.com. Oh, we didn't even talk about Stephen Crowder. We had a whole thing about that. It's okay. We'll it's we'll, fine. We'll, 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 we'll go. We'll who have cares? A deep. deep uh, who gives a shit? Fuck him. Who gives a shit? They offered him fifty mil. He said no. He was very upset, and then and, and then he, he started flinging shit at Ben Shapiro, and then I think and, he and admit, like recording I th- people. I think he admitted to like saying that he he was bisexual when he was young, younger, too. Yeah, which who cares? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't you know I don't think the guy is sexual. I just whatever predicaments is an issue, but uh, I do think that uh, it, yeah, fifty million dollars uh, he. Uh, he got that he threw it at the face of the other people and he's trying to make i think it's the fact that he's trying to open his own competing 
um, social media empire, and he decided doesn't want to get locked in. So he used this as a chance to kind of make fun of his competition, to kind of build his own uh, network. Because and as it was you know, just funny that he was like yeah. saying like fifty million dollars. That's insulting, and it's like Jesus. Yeah. I, uh, I please please insult me with fifty million dollars. Yes, please. I would love to be insulted. I, I I I can say all the Republican things. Throw fifty million dollars at me, you know. <laughs> please please do. But guys, please leave a review. Message me. 